0: Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. And since we spent a lot of time preliminaries, including some biblical truth, uh, kind of a mini-sermon at the beginning of service, I'll make this uh, a little bit shorter, probably. Sometimes it's hard to see the signs uh, of things around you. And to put two and two together and realize, okay... I need to make a decision about something or I need to alter the my, the course I'm on. It's hard to see the signs sometimes. When Missy and I were first married, I was in tech school in Virginia and she was traveling from Kentucky uh, to visit me in Virginia uh, until we were given permission to uh, get an apartment together, and during that time, Missy was having some trouble with her transmission. It was uh, getting harder and harder to shift, and and her dad and I could see the signs that her transmission was failing, and we encouraged her to go ahead and get it fixed, but she didn't want to. I did not see the signs, and ended up dying. Right when she was in the middle of the highway traveling to visit me, it just bled out and uh, died. But God took care of her. Uh, A truck driver came up and and gave her a ride to the gas station, which ended up being owned by a vet. And she told them what was going on, and they took care of her. Uh, They stayed late. And repaired that transmission the same night, right? Same night, repair the transmission. She was on her way that very night, and, we, and thank God we had the money to, to do it all. Um, did not see the signs, and put herself in a and could have been a very dangerous situation. And there was a time when when uh, I was in my early to mid-twenties, thought I knew everything. And I decided that it really wasn't wrong to smoke cigars. Nothing wrong with that. I, yeah, sure, most of Christendom would say otherwise, but they really didn't know what they were talking about. There was no really a problem. But Missy saw the signs. She saw that I had been trying to, to live for the Lord, And I remember she came to me and said, the devil's trying to distract you. He's trying to do everything he can to keep you from following after God. But I didn't see the signs. She did. And I ended up getting hooked on cigars. And and it was a great battle. It became a great battle for me until God sanctified me in 2008. But if I had heeded the signs, there would have been one less battle I would have had to fight. <clears throat> we get ourselves in trouble by not seeing the signs. And we see here examples of two groups that failed to see the signs. And we're going to talk about that. Beginning in chapter 16 of Matthew, verse 1, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, by the way, they were the two groups Primary groups. There, were, I think there was one or two smaller groups, but they're the primary groups that made up the Sanhedrin. Um, <clears throat> the Pharisees were the more the religious type. Sadducees were more secular. Uh, the Pharisees Sadducees approached Jesus and, and, as a test, asked him to show them a sign from heaven. So you can, you can, you can. God encourage, there, there there's a scripture verse where God encourages us to try him out. So there, there's actually, there's two different types of testing. There's testing for trust and testing to disprove. See, I knew that wasn't true. I knew it wouldn't work. It's more like sitting, uh, the difference between sitting on a chair. Oh, yeah, it holds me up. Or jumping up and down, which I'm not going to do. Jumping up and down, on it, trying to break it. Testing to trust, testing to disprove. God encourages us to try him out. Just let him put our weight on God. Let him carry us and see for ourselves if, if the Bible is true, if he'll withhold his, uphold his promises. The Sadducees and Pharisees weren't interested in that. They tested him to show them a sign from heaven. They were, and we're going to see it later on, proof of this later on, but their intent was to disprove him. They've hated Jesus, they've been planning to murder him. And they were trying to make him look bad. And so they demanded that he see a sign from heaven. Why from heaven? Because the Jewish people at that time believed that anybody can do a miracle on earth or from the earth, even the devil. But only God can provide a miracle from heaven. And so that's why they were demanding that he show them a sign from heaven. Verse 2, he answered them, when evening comes, you say, it will be good weather because the sky is red. And the morning today will be stormy because the sky is red and threatening. We still kind of do that, don't we? The saying, red sky at night, sailor's delight, red sky in the morning, sailor take warning. You know how to read the appearance of the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times. We can look at the sky, and it looks like foul weather is coming. It's been a long time, but out here, when we do have real weather coming in, this band of real dark clouds, right? It's like a very dark gray. And you go, uh-oh. It's usually it was usually in in the in the northwest corner. I'm either working the flight line or being out in the, on base, and and seeing that band and going, okay, we're going to get some weather in a few hours. <clears throat> and you can see, that we check the weather by looking at the sky, but you can't see the sign of the times. They, they, they were completely ignoring everything else, all the miracles, the prophecies being fulfilled right in front of their eyes. They were completely ignoring all that. Verse 4. An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. What a sign is that? The sign that he, like Jonah, being three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, so would Jesus in the belly of the earth and in hell, he would be in there in the grave, and he would be resurrected. That's the only sign they were going to get, that he'd be buried for three days and then come back to life. Then he left them and went away. The disciples. Verse 5, the disciples reached the other shore. And they had forgotten to take bread. They forgot the food. They forgot the lunch. And Jesus told them, watch out and beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Them I wonder, doesn't say it, but I kind of wonder if, you know, the early mentions. You know, who who brought the bread? Got him thinking about bread. And he was thinking about the Pharisees and Sadducees and saying, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Verse 7, and they discussed it them themselves. We, we didn't bring any bread. They, that's why Jesus said that. They, they didn't bring any bread. Verse 8, aware of this, Jesus said, you have little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? They were failing to see the signs of the times. Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you collected? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many large baskets you collected? They're they completely oblivious. And they're thinking, oh, we don't have any bread. That's why Jesus is, is saying that. We didn't have lunch. Like, I could make lunch. <laughs> we can make lunch. I don't know you can make lunch. They were missing out. They. So they were doing the same thing the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were doing, you know, their hearts were really evil, right? They were against God, rebellious to God, and they were seeing, failing to see the signs of the times for that reason. The disciples, they weren't rebellious against God. They didn't have much faith. They didn't really believe. They trusted Jesus. They, wanted to, I mean, they, wanted, they trusted a little bit. They wanted to follow Him. They liked Him. They liked what he had to say. But evidently they didn't truly believe. And because of that lack of belief, they were failing to see what was right in front of their face. Why is it you don't understand that when I told you beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about bread? Verse 12. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the yeast and bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Their teaching, their doctrine. He was warning them. What we believe, what we actually, and there can be a difference between what we say we believe and what we actually believe. What you actually believe is going to motivate your behavior, your actions, your attitudes, and what you can see and what you can't see, whether or not you see the signs that are in front of our faces. There's lots of signs out there. There are signs the Bible is reliable. If you look at Second Timothy, Chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Is that true? Is the Bible truly reliable for all of that? I believe there are signs that it is. I believe this Bible can be trusted that we have here what was originally intended. First, I see that there are 50,000 manuscripts supporting the Bible compared to, on average, 35 manuscripts for other ancient writings. Did you get that? Other ancient writings, on average, have 35 supporting manuscripts this has over 50,000 there's there's a mere 300 years between our earliest manuscripts and the what's called original autographs the original writings mere 300 years between our earliest manuscripts and the original writings of the apostles Compared to on average 1100 years between the earliest manuscripts and the original writings, it has the support of the early church fathers as early as 130 AD. So roughly a hundred years after Christ rose from the dead, all lot of the church fathers were the disciples of the disciples. So secondhand knowledge. That's, I think that's pretty good. And, and we, have, we have their writings to support Scripture. Old Testament prophecy is fulfilled. Numerous occasions, not just about Jesus, but a lot of other things. God fulfilled time and time again. And we could spend a whole lot of time just on how Old Testament prophecy was fulfilled. And finally, the, the re, uh, fifth reason why I think the Bible is reliable is because it has survived multiple attempts to eradicate it, to destroy it. And it just survived over and over and over again. And I used to think that, well, now the digital age, uh, it will be impossible for anybody to try to eradicate it. But then I've seen recently... People eliminating books online that they didn't agree with. Entire books gone. You can't get them anywhere. But the Bible would still survive. The Bible is trustworthy. I'll add a sixth one. This is my personal experience. I have personally found the Bible to be true in my life. As I have lived... These years, trying to serve God, everything in here has worked out true. When it tells me to do something, if I did it, things went well. If I didn't do it, things went badly. And people, but people fail to see the signs that we should take this Seriously. I have a hard time getting people to crack this book open. We people in our church that hardly ever take time to read God's word and understand it and apply it to our life and really take it seriously. God really had a hand in this. You, and if, if we really believe that, ha, would that change? If Jesus came down now If he walked through those doors and said, yes, this came from God, would we treat it differently? Would we take it more seriously? If we would, then we haven't been truly believing that it is the inerrant word of God. We fail to see the signs that God exists. It's a fantastic article called Is There a God? It talks about some of the reasons. Some of the signs that we have that there is a God. Number one, we have the complexity of our planet, and this has always amazed me. The Earth's size is perfect, corresponding gravity holds us thin layer of mostly nitrogen and oxygen gases only extending about 50 miles above the Earth's surface. If, if the Earth were any smaller, an atmosphere would be impossible. Did you know that? If it were larger, its atmosphere would contain free hydrogen, which I should have looked into that. I'm sure that's not good. Probably poisonous to us. Earth is the only known planet equipped with this atmosphere—the right mixture of gases. The Earth is located at exactly the right distance from the Sun. Any further away, be too cold. Any closer, would be too hot. And it remains at this perfect distance from the sun as it rotates around the sun at a speed of of nearly 67,000 miles per hour. We are rocketing through space right now. I'm glad we can't sense that speed. It's also rotating on its axis Allowing it to be properly warmed and cooled each day. If, if the Earth was like the Moon, you know, kind of just still, and, you know, it's access, there'd be a warm side, the cool side, the cool side would be completely dead, right? And there'd only be, you know, a small percentage of, of life on Earth. The moon is the perfect size, too. I've always found it amazing, the moon. Perfect size, to, well, at first it's perfect size to create those important gravitational pulls on the earth to affect the ocean waters. The ocean waters are, are, are agitated and move so they don't stagnate, but the ocean is not allowed to just spill over onto the land. Um if the moon was any bigger, that, that could happen. Find it fascinating. The moon is, is the size it is, the right size for the right gravitational pull, right? And and it's also the, the, the distance is perfect distance where when we have solar eclipses, the moon matches up with the sun. I find that fascinating. What are the chances? All these coincidences—just the right time, the right distance, the right size, the the characteristics of water just being correct for us. Water is so important for life, and 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 you know it, it the freezing point and boiling point, the fact that it that it freezes on top of a water surface and allows it, it doesn't freeze it freezes on the top down instead of the bottom up, allowing animal life to continue as, as the top is frozen. It's also important that it's chemically neutral. It doesn't interact chemically with other stuff. That's important for uh, life to occur. I mean, it allows us to absorb stuff to, to use for our, our body. Um... The complexity of the human brain, the complexity of the eye. I think it was Darwin who, who admitted that his whole theory shot if it's found out that the you know the eye was was uh, very complex, and and they found that to be so. And if you look on, there's you. I'm sure there's a YouTube video on the complexity of the human eye, and it's just amazing. We, we, we know that, not just the complexity, we know that God, another sign that God exists is the fact that there had to be a start, there had to be an initiator to the universe. Even evolutionists agree, this, agree with this. There had to be something to start the universe. They don't know what it is. They won't want to admit it's God. Why does the universe obey laws of nature. Why does the universe obey, obey laws of math? They discovered laws of math before they discovered a lot of laws of nature and they found the laws of nature follow the laws of math. How does that happen? DNA code. With computers, we know that you know, computer programs, and it goes down all the way to machine language, zeros and ones that's how the machine interprets what it's supposed to do. And we now know about D- through DNA studies. That's what DNA is. It's instructions, and it breaks down into um, a code. Well, we, we've identified as four letters A, T, G, and C, and it's just combinations, different combinations of code, and our bodies take that information and use it to do different things, to create stuff, to process stuff. That's amazing. That that lends who 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 put that together. We know God exists because He pursues us. A lot of atheists that became Christians talk about this, the pursuit of God, that God pursued them. C.S. Lewis Lewis talked about being the most reluctant convert they felt pursued. and, and, And God seeks out each and every one of us and speaks to our hearts and convicts us of sin and tells us there's something more, there's something better, there's a better way, a better life. All these signs. But people miss out on that. And they don't act like the Bible is true. They don't act like I... They don't act like... um. God exists. They have weak faith and they they miss out on the signs. There's some signs that a person's faith is weak. They miss out on that. Whether it's doubt. They easily doubt things. They easily doubt God. Doubt God's intentions. God's love. They doubt the Bible. They question everything. They doubt their need to obey God. And they continually fall in the cycle of sin over and over again. They're angry. Their faith is weak. And another sign that their, their faith is weak is they're angry at the unfairness in life. Why God's so unfair with me? It's not right that I have to go through this. They, they another sign their faith is weak as they get discouraged, discouraged by being a Christian. Why keep trying? I might as well just give up being a Christian. It's too hard. They envy others. Others. Who, who don't follow God, they, and, and, and you know, they seem like they've got it together. They've got it all figured out. They're, doing, they're making money. They're having fun. They're, they're, they're doing all these things that, that I can't do, and, and so the person, their faith is weak, and so they envy others. That's another sign. That their faith is weak. You want to know if your faith is weak or not? Ask yourself: Would my behavior change if Jesus came to live with me for a while? If Jesus knocked on your door, said hi, I thought I'd stay with you for a while. Would your behavior change? Would your daily activities change? Would your treatment of others change? Treatment of your family? Treatment of friends? uh, the, The cashier at the grocery store? If the answer is yes, then your faith is weak. You don't actually believe what you say you believe. But so many failed to see these five signs that I've mentioned about weak faith. So many people are completely blind to them. They have no idea. I'm going to conclude with asking some questions. Just food for thought. Do you see the manifold signs around us today? And are you preparing to meet your God? Because someday you will. Do you know Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Are you looking forward to the blessed hope we have in Christ in this eternal life? And are you motivated to live for him? John wrote in in 1 John 3.3 that everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. If we really have this hope, we start making changes in our life and our priorities start to change. Matthew six twenty, Jesus, uh, Jesus said that, or encourage us to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, where moth or rust, where neither moth or rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Are you seeing the signs? They're obvious. May God help us to to be aware. Grant us the wisdom we need. Open our eyes to see the truth, because we don't want to fall in the pit, do we? Want to see that? Want to see the warning sign? Remember, once in a while, we went to Yellowstone. I'll, I'll close with this illustration. We went to Yellowstone years ago, and and there's lots of Molten pits, this mud, you know, superheated water bubbling up. And there's signs, danger, do not cross this line. It's very serious. I remember a few years ago, a brother and sister adults ignored those signs and crossed into an area That was dangerous, and it killed both of them. And then you go to the Grand Canyon, there's signs, danger, do not cross this line. And routinely have people that will uh, cross the line and and do stupid things to get a cool picture and end up falling to their death. There's actually a video, I I didn't watch it, but I saw it on YouTube. A kind of a chronicle of people doing that. The deaths that have occurred in Grand Canyon. People crossing, ignoring the signs. Crossing the line. Let's not ignore the signs around us. Let's take God serious. Believe the Bible is true, that God exists. And let's, let's act accordingly and be ready. Be ready for him. Let's stand. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, servantsheartchapel.org. We also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. I'd love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.